Chapter Three of Her Benny by Silas Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lorraine Paquette. Chapter Three, Roughing It. Ne'er saw I, never felt a calm so deep. The river glideth at his own sweet will. Dear God, the very houses seem asleep, and all that mighty heart is lying still. Wordsworth. Next morning Benny was stirring early, and when the first faint rays of the coming day peeped through the dust-begrimed and patched-up windows, they saw the little fellow busily engaged in gathering together what things he and Nelly possessed previous to their final departure from home. Nelly still slept on, and several times the brother paused and looked fondly down upon the fair face of the sleeping child. She looked very beautiful, Benny thought, as she lay sleeping there, with a pink spot glowing on either cheek, and the long flaxen hair thrown carelessly back from the pale forehead. Once or twice she murmured in her sleep, and the same happy smile spread over her face that he had noticed the evening before when she sat gazing into Joe Rag's fire. "'I wonder what she's a-dreamin' on,' he murmured to himself. Perhaps she sees the hills and flowers and trees again. Then he set to work again, turning over a heap of rubbish that had been pushed as far back as possible under the stairs. At length a joyful exclamation burst from his lips as he came upon a small heap of potatoes. Here's a fortin, and no mistake. Nell and I'll be able to walk off the lot. And he brought them out into the room and wrapped them in an old handkerchief his stepmother used to tie round her head when she went out. There were scarcely twenty potatoes altogether, but to Benny they seemed almost an inexhaustible supply. This being done, he sat down beside his sleeping sister and waited until he should hear any movement in the room above. Gradually the cold grey light of the morning stole into the room, revealing all its squalor and dinginess, and Benny felt that he and Nelly would have to make their escape soon, or else they might be prevented. He felt very loath to awake his sister. She slept so sweetly, and he did not know where they might find a shelter when darkness covered the earth again. But there was no help for it. His father might awake any moment, and the neighbors would soon be stirring in the court and in Bowker's row. So bending over her, he pressed his lips upon her brow but she did not move. Nelly, he whispered, it's time to be moving. Slowly the great round eyes opened and looked languidly up into his face. Come, stir your pegs, Nell, or we'll be too late. Oh, I, she said, as the recollections of the previous evening came back to her. We asked to be off today, ain't we? Ay, my gal, we's goin' on our own ook now so look alive does yer think we's doin right benny course we is nell i'll take care o you never fear thus reassured she followed benny silently out of the house and into bowker's row then seeing that no one was about they set off at a quick trot in the direction from whence they had come the previous night nelly had the utmost confidence in benny's sagacity and though she had doubted for a moment whether they were doing the wisest thing in the course they were taking, 
yet she had little doubt that her brother would be equal to any emergency and that he would find her a home of some sort moreover she had a vague undefined feeling that they could not be worse off whatever might happen to see her benny punished as she had so frequently done of late was pain and grief to her not only had he suffered the pinchings of cold and hunger during the day but he had been compelled to bring home a certain amount every night or else take the consequences of their father's senseless anger and as the child thought of these things she could not wonder that benny had resolved to run away and seek a home somewhere else but what of herself she had on the whole been much better treated and she thought perhaps her father did not well know what he was doing last night as he was in drink ought she then to run away ay but i cannot leave benny was her mental response and having settled that question she seemed perfectly satisfied to share the fortunes of her brother whatever they might be and help him as best she could to fight the battle of life as for benny he had no qualms of conscience about the matter he had never heard the command honour thy father and thy mother and even if he had it would not have troubled him on the present occasion he had a feeling that he had been wronged cruelly wronged and that he ought not to stand it any longer once the question had crossed his mind had he been right to take those potatoes but he answered the question to himself by saying ain't i brought home half a bob every night for the week and then been kept without supper by jabbers i's paid for those taters and i'll eat em moreover his notions of right and wrong were of the vaguest character he had some dim recollection of his mother and how she used to tell him it was wrong to steal and to tell lies and to cheat but the more he tried to recall it the vaguer the recollection became yet sometimes when he was tempted to steal and would look around to see that no one was watching him a voice within him would whisper don't benny it is wrong to steal and he would turn away with a sigh feeling that there was something in that voice he dared not disobey in after years he held firmly to the belief that his own mother was permitted to be the guardian angel of his childhood and that it was she who whispered to him when he was tempted to do wrong he has also been heard to say that though he regarded it as very wrong for children under ordinary circumstances to leave their home without their parents consent yet in his case he thought his action perfectly justifiable but we must leave this question with the hope that none of the children who read this story may be driven by cruelty and wrong to a similar course of action and must follow the little waifs as they threaded their way through the dingy streets that cold december morning their object was to reach joe Wragg's fire before his watch ended and in this they were successful joe was standing before his hut rubbing his hands over the still glowing grate though benny noticed that the fire was burning low we's brought some taters from home may we cook em on your fire joe said benny putting on as bold a face as he could joe looked at the children for a moment without speaking please do joe like a good man chimed in nelly's plaintive voice come along with you then 
but how are ye out so airly lots of business on hand was benny's prompt reply there's summat up wit you youngsters i reckon but you're not going to eat all these taters at once are yer oh no said benny we only want two apiece and we want you to keep the rest till we comes again very likely story said joe gruffly where's yer been stealin em from oh nowheres joe said nelly we bringed em from home we did for sure well ain't that a stealin on em no said benny stoutly i's took em home half a bob every night for to week and they belongs to me joe shook his head dubiously as if not certain of the soundness of benny's logic but made no further reply he however gave his aid to the children in cooking their potatoes which were soon done to a nicety and even gave them a piece of bread the remains of his own morning's repast thus fortified the children were soon ready for the duties of the day their first business was to go into park lane and get in a stock of matches for the day's sale and this done they separated and went their different ways agreeing to meet in the shadow of st george's church at twelve o'clock and at four to report progress nelly's stand was near the junction of lord street church street paradise street and whitechapel going occasionally as far as the sailor's home benny on the other hand waited about near the landing stage selling his matches if he could but at the same time looking out for an opportunity of carrying some gentleman's bag but to-day benny had another object in view and that was to discover if possible some place where he and his sister might sleep when night came on he knew of a place where for the payment of a penny each they might sleep in a cellar on some dirty straw amongst a lot of rough boys but somehow benny shrank from introducing his sister to such company as there assembled night after night he must find some place where they could be alone if possible though he felt that that would be no easy matter the day was beautifully fine with a clear frosty sky and both benny and his sister carried on a brisk sail in fusees and when they met at noon they were in high spirits over the proceeds of the day still benny had found no place as yet where to spend the night during the afternoon however his attention was directed to some sailors who were caulking a boat not far from the george's dock the boat he noticed was turned bottom upward and that it had one end stove in evidently it had had rough handling somewhere and besides this benny noticed that there was a large quantity of hemp and tow on which the sailors were kneeling while at their work several times during the afternoon he took a look at the sailors and when at length he saw them lift up the boat and push the tow underneath his mind was made up stunnin he ejaculated i believe we is in luck's way to-day couldn't have been better if it were made for us punctually at four o'clock the children were at their trysting place they were both in high spirits for their profits were larger than they had been for many a day past benny especially was in high glee for he had the prospect of a comfortable lodging-place for the night without any fear of his father's fury 
and was consequently eager to communicate his discovery to nelly golly nell was his greeting using his favourite expression it's a heap too cold to stick in one place let's off into park lane and get a feed we can ford it to-night and off they started hand in hand the place to which they directed their steps was not the most select the character of the customers being of no consequence so long as the money was forthcoming this fact was well known to benny so he entered leading his sister by the hand without any trepidation it was a long narrow room in which they found themselves with several small tables at regular intervals down the sides a bright fire was burning at the farther end of the room near which benny took his seat requesting that two penny loaves might be brought and a penn'orth of cheese they remained as long as they dared then again sought the wintry streets but the keen frosty air made them long for shelter and once more they sought the glowing grate of honest joe rag the old man seemed pleased to see them and made room for them in his hut though he said little oh how the fire glowed and crackled in the keen frosty air revealing to little nelly bates scenes of wondrous beauty and as joe watched her face glowing in the firelight he muttered to himself purty little angel i hopes she'll grow up good or or die ay or die it was after eight o'clock when they left joe's warm hut for nelly had pleaded so hard to stay that he could not deny her request she seemed to be twining herself around the old man's heart in a wonderful manner and but for his fury of a wife he would have taken her to his own home when it became known to him that the children were homeless it did not take them long to reach the boat and having satisfied themselves that they were not noticed they crept underneath in a jiffy as benny would have expressed it brimstone and treacle said benny as he put his hand on the large heap of tow ain't this sumptuous we'll be as snug as jonah ear ay benny this is fine let's shut out all the daylight foost nell and then the cold won't get in thanks to the abundance of tow this was not difficult and soon the children were cuddled in each other's arms feeling warmer than they had felt for many a night past it was a long time however before they could get to sleep to nelly especially was it strange and thoughts too deep for them to express kept crowding into their minds keeping them wide awake at length however a feeling of drowsiness began to creep over them and they were just dropping off to sleep when they were startled by a footstep near them and a hoarse voice muttering as if in anguish o oh, death what dost thou mean for a moment the children clutched each other in terror then they heard the footsteps dying away in the distance and their confidence returned again who could it be said nelly a bobby i specs said benny but he ain't catched us so we's safe nuff now for a while after they lay listening but no other footsteps disturbed them and soon balmy sleep stole over them sealing their eyelids 
and giving rest to their weary little heads and hearts. End of chapter 3